Broadcasting live from the ESPN 690 and Levine Studios. This is Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 with Brent Martineau and Austin Lane. I love and respect most everybody in that building, and I went in there as hard as I possibly can to try to, I mean, hard to try to win and turn things around and, and uh, maybe push some people the wrong way. And, and, and But, you know, I'm a pusher. I'm a, a guy that's always going to push. I mean, push hard. And, and some it's not comfortable for people, but winning is not comfortable. Uh, growth is not comfortable. Change is not comfortable. That's Urban Meyer talking in the last couple of days with Dan Dockich. Remember we made that bet? Or or had a discussion at least. Okay. Who would get a job first? Antonio Brown playing football? Mm-hmm. Or Urban Meyer? Yeah. Do we think Antonio Brown will find another team? He's really lobbying for the Ravens. Oh, is that what he's doing? <laughs> yeah. He, he put a picture of himself today in a Ravens jersey. Oh, there you go, man. <laughs> Bring him on board. <laughs> no, it's, I mean... <laughs> I, like I said, I'm not going to be surprised if it's another opportunity because he's still talented. And talent outweighs everything. Even if you bring a guy who could be detrimental to your locker room. Now, I, I'm sure John Harbaugh is like, well, I can, I can wrangle him in, right? Like the way we do things in Baltimore, uh, he'll be a Raven and all that. But to me, Antonio Brown falls in another American category. You know, you, you can give these guys a million platforms and let them speak their piece and that's fine. At the end of the day, I'm all good, you know? Do, do your thing, man. Get your money. You know, chase the clout. Wh- whatever you want to call it, I'm all set. I'm good. By the way, Antonio Brown on with Bryant Gumble tonight with his agent. Or, yeah, with his agent, I believe. So that'll be a good one. Or a lawyer. I don't know who he's with. Well, that's the thing. He's on Real Sports tonight. I mean, I, I asked this question and seriously. Do, do we get to the point where we just ignore Antonio Brown? I mean, we're I understand not, we yeah. don't, we're not that society, right? Like, I said this to you. I said, yeah, I'd like to say that. But if Antonio Brown called in the show, we wouldn't hang up on him. Yeah. Right? And sure. I think a lot of people think that way. Um, he's in, in the real sports with uh, Gumble on HBO tonight, he's ripping the Bucks organization. Mm-hmm. It's just like, to me, it's like the Bucks gave him a rope. Right? They threw him a life raft mm-hmm. in a moment where nobody would. And here he goes burning. That's why I don't think he'll be on a team because he's so dangerous. Yeah, uh, that, he's also dangerous on the field in terms of running yeah, routes. But he's, he's so good. dangerous. He, he hurts your reputation potentially, how you treat him, what you do with him. I, I just think, I mean, I don't know. I, I don't think people, winners especially, don't want to be surrounded with those kind of people. I don't care how talented they are. I, I don't think, I really don't think he'll play again. I, I, I just don't see it. Yeah, I mean, that might I think he's untouchable. Okay. I, I mean, regardless, of, like, I don't think he'll see... The reason why I thought he was going to play is because I think eventually he would want to, you know, make more money. I mean, who doesn't? Yeah. But, like, the, the route that he's taking now and the lane that he's choosing and hanging out with Kanye West and Floyd Mayweather and, and you know, boxing with Floyd Mayweather, maybe getting something. Like, he, he's not going to need money because the, the money's going to be there, whether it's from TikTok, whether it's from Kanye West. Like, yeah, the, yeah. it's going to be there. Oh, so, yeah. This society, I mean, someone's going to pay him. So, Antonio something. Brown doesn't necessarily have to play football for you know, him to be successful in life. I just think that if Antonio Brown is passionate about playing the game of football again, there might be an opportunity for him. But I don't know if he's even passionate about playing football anymore. Yeah, so. good point. Uh, Tom Pellicero said this in a Ted Lasso nod. Sean Payton just oh, presented God. owner Gail Benson with a king cake 
Bill Biscuits in New Orleans. And says he brought, uh, bought about, uh, or brought about 100 for all the media and others in the room for his goodbye press conference. Nice gesture. That's a, that's a Ted Lasso thing he does? Uh, yeah, buying the, um, uh, because Ted Lasso brings biscuits like on a daily basis to the owner. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I love that I know that. Yeah. I love that I know that and I'm you don't. Sh- I'm sure. One of the most popular shows. Oh, yeah, I'm sure you and. In the last five years, I know million it people and you know, know that. Yeah, hey, and I'm all set. I'd comedy, take, hey, a, a comedy where Ted Lasso's bringing biscuits for the owner. Take Comedy, your, though. Hey, Casey, take Sounds your hilarious. Have you seen Deadpools and move on? Sounds hilarious. I got that. Biscuits. He ma- but what the part you're missing is he makes them, like, in the morning. He gets up early, and she, the owner thinks she, that he buys them yeah. until she finds out that he's making them. Oh, so it's like a wholesome moment. Yeah. More wholesome moments. Yeah, it sounds like a hilarious show, guys. It sounds like a great comedy. I don't understand. See, now you're just going to die on the hill. Like, one time they were no, bad, I'm, he messed it up. Say what? One time they were bad, he messed it up. That's funny. Okay. Yeah. Cody yeah, doesn't want to see this? No. We're, we're, hey, we're all good with Ted Lasso. Thank you, though. I saw a little trip to Disney. How was that? Fantastic. So fun. Now, it was raining, and it was super cold. Oh, was, was it? So, yeah. Because we went to Animal Kingdom on Sunday, and when it's below 50 degrees, the animals don't come out. So then it's bamboo slash tall grass kingdom because there's no animals. Really? So that was... That's the rule? Take that for how you want. Yeah. I mean, so what the hell? Hey, hey, I mean, hey. I thought hey, lion was hey, tough. Hey, lions, don't, don't call yourself kings of the jungle when, <laughs> I'm, when I'm out there. 50 degrees. And, and you're not, you wusses. I mean, you know that, what I'm saying? Are you kidding me? You, you, you big wusses. But you could walk around with alcohol, right? Yeah, but I wasn't drinking either. That's tough. I was hanging out. But uh, Why do you so, say that? Like... Because we talked blow, about it on Friday. Yeah, it eases the blow a little bit. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But um, Disney experience. Saturday, though, man, Saturday, and I posted a video. Saturday was one of, one of my proudest dad moments ever. Really? Because we got to go to uh, Star Wars Galaxy's Edge. I saw that. But by the way, one of my best friends who set up my wedding, he actually was the, the lead foreman on that. Really? So he, he, he designed it. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Yeah, so shout out to Chuck O'Day, uh, who, who designed that. But anyways. No so, relation to Darren O'Day. No relation to Darren O'Day, as far as I know. But um, and by the way, Chuck's upset about the Packers, obviously, so it's not. He should be. Yeah. Have a drink at the Pickle yes. on Austin. <laughs> For sure. So uh, anyway. We go to Star Wars Galaxy's Edge, and there they have a they have a lightsaber class where you can make your own lightsaber. And I was stressed out about it. We talked about this on Friday a little bit because, dude, there's like ten different variations of a lightsaber you can make. So you can go light, you know, you can go like dark side. Uh, there's like a natural elemental side. There's the uh, there's tons of things you can do. Glow stick side. Yeah. Well, it's something like that. So I told my son, I'm like Ronan. Let's plan this out now, because the last thing I want you to do is get in there with the Jedis and everything. You're making your lightsaber, and then you get nervous. You pick the wrong one, and then we spend all this money on something that you don't want because you picked the wrong color. But, so, but he didn't do it. He's like, I just want to see how it plays out. Cool. So get this, too. So as my wife and I and my son Ronan, only one parent could go in and accompany them. Really? So then there was that whole conversation. Is that a COVID thing? I have no idea. Oh. But, hey, you know who won that battle? Because my wife goes, and Brent, you have no idea what I'm talking about. But my wife goes, all right, Ronan, who do you want to go to see to see General Grievous with to make a lightsaber? And I go, whoa, 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 whoa. hey, babe, General Grievous isn't going to make a lightsaber. General Grievous is a bad guy, part of the dark side. Why would he be making a lightsaber? And Ronan's like, yeah, Mom, what are you talking about? So that kind of got her out of the conversation because she said the wrong thing. So then me and Ronan got to go in and make a lightsaber. We go in. You know, it's a huge presentation, Brent, right? For as much money as it is, it's going to be a huge presentation. <laughs> let's, let's just say that. So this is an add-on. Yeah, it, oh, it's an add-on. Hey, hey, it's, it's a couple add, a couple pluses. Yeah. It's, it's more like you're multiplying it on. So <laughs> so we go in. You know, they, they give the whole speech. My son picks the power and control build. 
and then you get, you get to pick like the the kyber crystal, which is what powers the lightsaber. It's the color. Okay. Right. So the guys in the, in front of everybody. All right. And the green represents Luke Skywalker and Obi Wan Kenobi, and the blue represents yeah, you know, and then the the purple represents Mace Windu, and then the last one's like, and then the red, and the guy like pause. The red represents evil, power, corruption, Darth Vader, Darth Maul. Some of the worst, you know, Sith of all time, whatever the case may be. So my son gets that. So the guy goes, all right, close your eyes and tell me what color comes into your heart. And I'll get No, seriously, it's a big ordeal here, right? And I'm just kind of <laughs> like a in big the back. Moment. Hey, I'm just in the back like, all right, let's see how this plays <laughs> out. <laughs> and my son puts out his hands, eyes closed, goes, I'll take red. <laughs> and then, hey, look at this, look at this though. So, so, so the guy who's not breaking character, you know, in character, goes, but you're, you're mighty young for this much power. Why not choose the, the green one or the blue one as, as the Jedi's did before you? He goes, yeah, I'll take the red one, please. <laughs> so he wasn't giving in. No, he's not talking one. him into it. So get him the red one, man, and then he, he turned it on. And yeah, My kids would have been like, yeah, okay, green. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, no, Rones Ron, was, was hell-bent on having a red lightsaber. Uh, hey, I was proud, man, part of the dark side. <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. Um, good time. Yeah. Good time. So, yeah. so you went to Animal Kingdom and where else then? That so, would be at? Yeah, so uh, Star Wars was Saturday and then Animal Kingdom was Sunday. So now, where's Star Wars? Star Wars is Universal? I th- no. Hollywood Studios. Hollywood, Hollywood Studios. Studios. Yeah. <laughs> I get them all Big confused, case, too. Don't so worry. Do I, man. He looked yeah. at us like, you guys are idiots. Yep. But then I, I know we are. But then oh, I, I missed out on Epcot, though, because they went there on Friday. Okay. And I got there late, so. Dang, you missed Crush. It's my favorite one. Oh, Epcot's like, you know, touring around the world. Yeah, I haven't missed yeah, out. And around the world's pretty good. I'm a little bummed about that one. Yeah. Yep. They still have Soar in there? Uh, they upgraded it, didn't they? Pretty sure they changed it. Oh, and some lady hit me in a, in a mobility scooter on my ankle, too. Really? So. <laughs> and they, and they got fight? nauseous. And, and then I got <laughs> nauseous on uh, the Tower of Terror. You did? Yeah. You can't handle that oh, stuff? Oh, that, hey. Dad's out of it, man. Like, I'm bad at all those, but Tower of Terror doesn't do it for me. So, I always take, take pride of being, like, an adrenaline junkie, yeah. you know, and, like, because my son's all about it, you know? So, like, I, I, I want to be there for him. Well, if you're going to get red one, in the lightsaber yeah. world, then you better be all about it. One Tower of Terror ride and one Star Wars, like, Galaxies whatever 3D gonna puke ride, and I was done. I, I was out. I, I couldn't go on the, the Toy Story uh Roller coaster, and I couldn't go on the Toy Story like teacup things. That's tough. I, yeah, I, could do, I was like dizzy. I seriously, like, I was in, heads in my hand. Like I can't do this anymore. So. Man, you should have gone on teacups so because you could make that teacup thing go round oh, and round. No, man, I'm so soft. Man. That's pretty good. That, that I'm teacup. so soft. You get the big strong guys in there, now you can really go for a ride. Yeah, Maybe turning. Yeah. So yeah, he was like, yeah, trip. No, it was great. So and I'm glad it was you guys and not me. Yeah. No, I mean, listen, listen I wasn't. The most amped to be because, you know, it's Disney and just a lot of to take in, and, you know, football. Uh, but thankfully, I got to watch it. <laughs> Did you? Yeah. That's I, tough, I, huh? I, I sat in the frozen um, <laughs> experience of watching the Tennessee Titans and the Cincinnati Bengals. That was cool. <laughs> in the frozen well, it, it was a 20-minute <laughs> musical thing where they recapped the entire movie. I've seen it. Uh, <laughs> I'm all good. Ronan, you can sing along, dude. I'm watching Ryan Tannehill throw another reception. I love it. That yeah. used to be American Idol, so it could have been worse. Ooh. Yeah. R- running Ooh. went from Darth Vader to Frozen. Yeah. And by the way, <laughs> hey, during the break, I got to show you guys a picture. So I was going to put it on Twitter, but then I'm like, Brent's already having a bad day on Twitter, so I wasn't going to do that. The guy, one of the singers from the show, reminded me of Brent Martineau. Just going to say that much. Great. Just, just going to say that you much. You should hear me sing. Just going to say that much. All right. Um. All right. I don't know what that means. No, I mean, he, he looked like you. He, okay. he, he looked like a, a doppelganger? Yeah. 
Right. Little Matt Damon clone, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> there we go. Yeah. Uh, hey, is Tom Brady going to retire or what? He's coming back. Can't go out like that. Have you seen his words? No. Uh, is he retiring? Well, I mean, I, I'll tell you this. Yesterday before the show, I, I mean, yesterday on the show, I said I, I think he's coming back. So did I. When I saw some of his words, I was like, maybe he's not. I mean, he even referenced, like, in, in all seriousness, like he referenced how uh, Giselle doesn't like seeing him get hit and mm. referenced, like, how much he uh, still needs to be there for his family and, like, a lot more family talk than I think any time in the Tom Brady, you know, curiosity if he's going to continue. And even in a real serious note mentioned, you know, you just never know, you know, after football how, how much you have to spend with the family. And he referenced Kobe Bryant. Yeah. And, and uh, so just... It was kind of deep stuff from Tom Brady that makes you wonder just how much, and maybe he's thinking about it, at the, at the very least, he's thinking about it more than ever. You know, I think the only hurdle in the past was like, ah, Giselle wants him to retire, right? Remember yeah, that? Yeah, yeah. It's like, she wants him to retire, 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 and he's like, yeah, whatever, I'm not. Yeah, <laughs> right? for sure. But now I think Giselle might be a winner here. If, if she gets to help choose. Yeah, and then all of a sudden Ola Beckham Jr. is going to go to the Buccaneers, and then Tom Brady's going to come back for another season. So, I don't, I, I still think he's coming back. Here's what he said on uh, Instagram. I understand that at this stage in my career, there's going to be interest in my future whenever a season ends, but this week, all that is on my mind is the gratitude I have for this team, and the fans have supported us all year long. This year has been incredibly rewarding, personally and professionally, and appreciative of everyone who worked uh, to help our team achieve so much. I always want to win. I think that's pretty apparent by now. That doesn't mean I equate losing to failure, especially when you go out fighting the way we did. So much to appreciate in a season like this. Uh, I'll spare you the man in the arena quote, but that feeling is something that I promise I'll never take for granted. To everyone that was a part of this year, thank you. I love you all. So, I, again, I think this is about the most we've seen from an emotional standpoint or an emotional-sounding standpoint from Tom Brady. Mm -hmm. Casey? What you got to say? Brady back, and does it change after hearing some of these words? Nice comeback. Really? Yeah. You had six chances to, seven chances to retire after you won a Super Bowl. He's not going to retire when he quits, when he doesn't win. Yes. But, see, I actually think this isn't the, well, first of all, you can never predict that, right? I mean, if he's healthy enough, he might be playing until he's 56 to win his next Super Bowl, if that's going to be the determining factor. But I actually think outside of a Super Bowl, this is a great way to go out because it was an epic comeback by them, and yeah. he did it again. And it's not – I think he – I would agree with you guys more if he got thumped 27-3 to and that's the way it ended. Like, I, I just say, I don't know if he wants to go out like that. And again, much like I said to people, like South Beach Gary called in the last hour, much like I said to people who were looking at the Jags coach, one game does not define these guys – like, I understand the taste in your mouth, but he's now ended 20-something seasons. Like, he gets probably – he knows it wasn't just the last five minutes of his last game of the year that mattered all the time. Um, but I do think the fact that he came back, that he didn't lose the game. He put him in a position to win the game. I think overall that's pretty satisfying, maybe as a guy going out. And I think that's not a bad way to go out. I'll tell you this. The alternative is there's a lot of other ways to go out. When you get hurt, two, you don't even make the playoffs. Three, you, you throw a pick. 
to lose the playoffs. You know, there are a lot of bad ways to go out. So if that's weighing on his mind at all, I don't think this was the worst way to go out uh, for Tom Brady. In fact, it's very reminiscent of some of the other Super Bowls that he lost, including the one to Philadelphia and Nick Foles, where he had given the team the lead, and then he wasn't on the field to secure the lead or go win the game. The defense actually kind of, well, not blew it, but gave it up. I think... The whole journey of Tom Brady through all these championships, he's been in direct competition with Michael Jordan and what Michael Jordan was able to accomplish. If you look and, you know, you say, how, how did Michael Jordan go out? Well, he went out with the Wizards, but nobody's going to remember the Wizards. You remember him with the Bulls in the last dance. I don't think Tom Brady's done. And, you know, we've had a disagreement on this. I think whether it's this year or he plays another season comes back, you know, the following year, I think he's going to announce that it's going to be like, all right, is Tom Brady coming back for one more year or not? He's going to put out something to do with the last answer, just kind of, you know, in that, you know, in that plethora, let's just say. And he's going to say, this is my last year. And he's going to announce that before the season even starts. And in doing so, that's two things it does. Number one, it speaks into existence, where it's like, okay, guys, this is seriously the last year. And it's telling himself, it's telling his family, it's telling his wife, you know, it's telling everybody that this is truly my last year. But number two, it's telling his teammates. And it's telling the Buccaneers organization, where this is the last go-around. We need to exhaust all, you know, energy, all avenues that we can to try to win a Super Bowl. You know, because you got the sense that in Green Bay, when you got the, you know, when Aaron Rodgers said it might be his last year in, in Green Bay, like, yeah, they have great players, but that defense, it's not like that they added all these crazy pieces on defense all of a sudden. It's the same guys they've had, but they played out of their minds for, you know, most of the year. And I just think it, it's a little added extra when you know that the leader, the, the general, um, he's going through his last run. I, I think you get a little more from the guys in that locker room. I think you get a little more from the organization. And I think that's the, the piece that he's going to play. I think that's the move that he's going to make. And then he's going to run off in the sunset, whether he wins or he loses. But I think that the Tom Brady final season will come prefaced by saying, this is my last year. Hmm. Uh, I will say this, to your point, <laughs> he doesn't seem to mind <laughs> Putting a little documentary together about something. <laughs> so maybe, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, maybe he'll make sure he records it all. Sure. And uh, that could be the case um, as well. It'll be interesting to see. Uh, let me add one more football question for now because we're talking about Byron Leftwich. Do you think he's the Jags' top guy right now? I know he's the fans' top guy, okay? I'm not saying we're Vegas' top guy, the fans' top guy. I'm asking you right now. It's, it's, they've already interviewed Eberflus a couple of times. Maybe yeah. Hackett's still in play. Maybe Peterson's still in play. Maybe Caldwell's still in play. Do you think, as it sits here on a Tuesday, after they probably just got done with the long interview with him today in Tampa, he's their top guy for the job? I think Byron Leftwich is the top guy because if Doug Peterson was... If Jim Caldwell was, you're desperate for a change, you would have had a second interview with those guys by now. Now, maybe Shad Khan already knows something that we don't, but I, I don't think that's the case. So, yes, I think Byron Leftwich is the top guy. I kind of feel that way, too. I still feel that way. I'm not convinced he's going to be the guy, but I feel like he could be their top guy. Correct. That doesn't mean he's going to get the job, but... The last time Shad wanted a coach, he got him. Mm -hmm. That was Urban Meyer. If he really wants but, Leftwich, can he get him? Can he deliver it? Can he though. close it? 
when this whole coaching process and the interview process started, was Byron Leftwich a top guy? Because no. I don't think he was either. I don't. Yeah. I don't believe that. I think, he, I think I he was weeded this. out and sifted through it to be the top guy. I will say this, Austin, though. There's a chance he was. And the reason that's why it took so long to get here, because they had to wait through the playoffs anyway. So why rush? So there is a chance that he was. I'm not convinced he was, but there's a chance that he was. And, of course, they'll tell us that he was <laughs> if, if he ends up being the guy. We'll be back. Uh, should Barry Bonds, Roger Clemens, Alex Rodriguez, Manny Ramirez, those guys make the Hall of Fame. The vote is today. We'll be back. Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. This has been the asteroid coming for the Hall of Fame <laughs> that we saw 15 years ago. Yes. And today it's going to hit and what we're going to be left with is arguably the greatest hitter of all time, arguably one of the five greatest pitchers of all time, not being in the place that honors baseball history. Uh, Jeff Passan. From ESPN, how can so many of us agree on this, universally agree on this? Uh, I shouldn't say universally, but so many of us, it seems like the temperature out there is that we can agree that these guys belong in the Hall of Fame, and they're not going to get in the Hall of Fame. Mm -hmm. Like, I guess we're doing it wrong, and, and people always ask us, are we doing it wrong, right? Baseball writers... Should they be the one voting? Like, should these guys be be doing this job? If you're going to say, I don't think Derek Jeter belongs in because I don't want him to get 100% of the vote, right? Uh, same conversation we had about Aaron Rodgers and the MVP and that guy. It's like, what are we doing? Yeah, It's selfishly motivated. You're egotistical, and you're not looking at this the way I think it should be looked at. And I think what Passon just said there is perfect. I'll, oh, I've said this for years, so I'll say it again to start the conversation. Brent Martineau, Austin Lane, Casey Kurtz, Baseball Hall of Fame vote today. Roger Clemens, Barry Bonds, 10th year of eligibility. I think Kurt Schilling's in that mix, too. And this is it. Or they go to a different committee and, and have a chance to get in. And I will say this because I believe this at the very root of what this is about. Cooperstown is an unbelievable place. You ever been, Casey? Nope. Oh, you got to go. Okay, Cooper sounds amazing. Baseball Hall of Fame, amazing. Mm -hmm. I'm not even this big Hall of Fame guy, but Baseball Hall of Fame is amazing. Uh, especially if you love baseball and the history of it. When I bring my kids to the Baseball Hall of Fame, or my grandkids, now that my kids have been, I bring my grandkids to the Hall of Fame, I should be able to walk into that Hall of Fame and show them people like Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens as the best players of all time. And I should also be able to tell them that they probably cheated. They played in the steroid era. They are the holder of the history. That's what they are. Like, that's what I should be able to do when I go visit that place. And it's the same reason I believe Pete Rose should be in the Hall of Fame. Like, we cannot be judging these things subjectively based on our morals, our values, our whatever. There are bad people in that Hall of Fame. When bad people who do things after their baseball career, they don't get taken out of the Hall of Fame. Like, at least not yet, I don't believe. 
I don't understand why the, we have made this like this moral clause for the Baseball Hall of Fame in this era, especially based around steroids. I think it's the wrong thing to do. I think it's uh, uh, just abysmal that we're at this point. I don't think these guys are going to get in, and I'll give you an early heads up. I think they both should get in. They are both Hall of Fame players even before the steroid era, and they are part of the steroid era. And I've long said somebody should pony up a lot of money and make a steroid wing. You can actually put Bonds and Clemens and some of these other guys who played in the steroid era in that wing. That's fine. That helps tell the history of the game. But Major League Baseball is just as guilty about the steroid era as the players. I think everybody has acknowledged that, yet we're still holding the players more accountable than the league. At the end of the day, when it comes to the Hall of Fame, and, like, yeah, I'm a baseball fan because I'm a Brewers fan, so that makes me a baseball fan. Um, I grew up in it. I probably grew up in one of the best eras of baseball sometimes, it feels like. Ken Griffey Jr., Mark McGuire, Sammy Sosa, the home run race, like that. That was a fun time to be a kid and watch the sport of baseball. All I want from the Hall of Fame is, and like, yes, stats obviously are are a big part of it, but it's just the lasting effect that you had on the game. And Barry Bonds, for a while, was the talk of baseball. Um, He was the sport. There, there, There was the home run counter. And, like, I understand where... You want to say that he cheated, and a lot of these guys cheated, so it tarnished the sport. And that's fine. You can go ahead and say that. But to me, it's a lot like Lance Armstrong. Lance Armstrong, you know, cheated. He, he, he cheated. He, he Whatever. You, you, you took the, the prize away. You took the accolades away. But what you're not going to take away is my memories of Lance Armstrong where I actually watched bike races to see if he was going to win or not. I haven't watched a Tour de France since Lance Armstrong. I'll probably never watch another one again because I really don't care anymore. But as a kid, I grew up watching Lance Armstrong because like, it was almost like must-see TV on the OLN channel. Is OLN even still a thing? I have no idea. <laughs> but shout-out to OLN, man. You, you guys brought it with the Tour de France coverage. Same thing with baseball. You, you can go ahead and take away the home run records. You can go ahead and say these guys tarnish baseball, but you, you can't take away my memories of these players and the effect that they had on the game. Can't take effect, the, the fact away, like, when I was up to play and we're doing home run derby, you know, underhand softball when I was, like, in second grade, oh, I'm Barry Bonds today. Oh, I'm going to be Sammy Sosa. I'm going to be Mark McGuire. Like, those guys had a lasting effect on the game of baseball. And when you talk about that, that's what a Hall of Famer should be was his influence on the game above all else. And for a while, Barry Bonds was that dude. For a while, Roger Clemens was that dude. For a while, um, you know, Sammy Sosa was that dude. So I think these guys definitely deserve to be in it because you're not going to not put them in there and say, well, forget about your past childhood experiences, Austin. Not going to happen. And I'm going to share those with my son as well. Casey, go ahead, man. What do you think? Uh, not as long-winded. They should just be in. Yeah. It's I like pretty, that, Casey. Yeah. I like that. The, the thing that's interesting for me is, and I guess we'll get into now, I don't understand how you vote for some but not all. That's my point. That's why I think we need a wing. I do. Well, I'm uh, just saying because I guess I'll put who wants their ballot up on the stream first. Um, uh, Go ahead. Austin. Call me out, Casey. Let's get it. By the way, here's one other thing as we look at this. Here's what I don't understand. Like, 
I don't think anywhere in the record books there's an asterisk next to Barry Bonds for being the home run king. Mm -hmm. In my mind, I don't consider him that, mm. right? So we're essentially saying it's okay to call him the home run king, but it's not okay to put him in the Hall of Fame. Yeah. Like, I don't get, I don't get that. Like, I don't get that. Yep. I, at yeah. least with the Pete Rose thing, you could say he's banned from baseball, and so therefore he's not in the Hall of Fame. Like, at least you can give me that, even though I think you're out of your damn mind mm -hmm. because he's the all-time hits record leader, and, and, and that ain't coming out of the books. Mm -hmm. So, again... And what people will argue is like, well, Brent, these guys are in there because of that. They're acknowledged because that's not the point. That's Yeah, they are a little bit, but they also should, they've earned that right to be in there uh, based on statistics and everything else. Or just cancel them out of every record book there is. Yep. So my ballot here, so like the, by my understanding of this exercise, it's not like I'm saying these guys deserve to go to the Hall of Fame and nobody else does. I'm just saying if I was voting this yeah. year, this is who I would put well, in. Well, because the that's rules correct. of the Hall of Fame are yeah. you get 10 you, these are 10. the guys on the ballot, and you can vote as many as 10. You can vote one, mm -hmm. none, I guess. You can or, vote or, none. Or you can vote up to 10. Mm -hmm. And so here's who you decided. Correct. So obviously we know where you feel on Bonds and Clemens. Correct. David Ortiz. Yeah. Who also has been linked a little bit on like a fringe mm -hmm. way. Mm -hmm. um, Alex Rodriguez. Yep. This is a, Now, this is one that is very interesting. This is first time on the ballot, isn't it? It is. And you went with Rod so the, the and now he was suspended. Yeah, 162 games doesn't bother you. No, I, I think he had a long-lasting effect on the game of baseball. Uh, I think I mean Denise at the time signed the biggest con. I mean yes, uh, it's not did. about money, but like in terms of contracts, in terms of, of notoriety. Yep. For a while, Rodriguez was one of the biggest names in baseball. Uh, you also have Kurt Schilling, who's also been controversial because mostly his stuff off the field. Correct. And also he recently said, all right, don't put me in. I'll wait till the other guys want to put me in. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Once again, not voting on the type of person that you are, voting on the, the fact that you had on the game, I think. Scott Rowland, by the way, I think I have, I'll say I think is an excellent call because I think yeah. if you go back and look at what Rowland did, and he's not a big high profile name but his numbers really add up and by the way i've stolen some of these things from like other the writers have really done deep dives into this it's not like i did my own deep dive i don't have a vote so yeah. but if you look at some of the things and plus how he is defensively there were i saw an article today i think it was somebody quoted whoever it was saying he was better than brooks robinson at third base well and and only <laughs> so in his career too roland's uh war ranked behind a-Rod, Pujols, Bonds, Shipper Jones, and Jeter, and that's it. That's pretty good. Only reason I picked Scott Rowland was because I absolutely hated that dude in the Cardinals because the guy was dominant, you know. And then maybe Couldn't the most him. controversial one, and you told me this was the toughest one for you, is Sammy Sosa. Why? Yeah. Once again, just the influence. Just, just what he meant Why to was the game it hard? Though, what do you wrestle with? Because, uh, like, I think the numbers over, like, I don't know. 600 homers. Yeah, okay. Well, then there you go. I believe, yeah. There you go, then. So here's, here's my thing. I just don't, like, you both are going to have to explain this, but... How do you not vote for Manny and Sheffield then? Both have over 500 home runs. Like, they're both, on numbers alone, they're both both more than qualified. Because, once again, Casey, I, I literally just put it into the influence of the game. And, like, there was a time that I grew up where Sammy Sosa was probably the biggest name next to Mark McGuire. He was one and two in baseball. Manny was a big name. Yes, he was. But, like, in terms of... Star power, I don't think he was ever like the top three guy. Okay. That, that's where I'm coming from. 
Now, like stats, like I didn't look up stats for any of these people except Roland because I was really curious to see how good that guy was because I remember sure. booing him nonstop on my television watching him play the Brewers. Mm-hmm. But I think with Manny Ramirez, I don't know what the stats say. I think Manny deserves to be in. Um, I think PB deserves to be in, but just not in this ballot. Okay. Yeah. That's fair. Casey, bring it to us, baby. What do you got? Give me a second. It's interesting here. I, I will tell you this, and because and, I'll give you a little bit of wh- how I look at this. What I really do often on Hall of Fames of any kind mm-hmm. is I go by the my ear first. I'm like, all right, you tell me that name, I'm going to say, oh, yeah, that guy's a Hall of Famer. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. And then I wrestle with some, or I have to confirm based mm-hmm. on numbers and stuff. But I, I will wrestle with them and then put them in a different category and be like, all right, let's go do some work on this. Yeah, and yeah. see, and that's kind of how I do. I think that's kind of what you're saying a little bit with the influence they had on you or the game or everything else. And I think people do that. I mean, there are some names on here. Like Scott Rowland does not jump out to me as like, bam, Hall of Famer. But you go back and look at some of the numbers and you read about them a little bit and like, now wait, you just gave up Whoa. some numbers, right? That Whoa. were like, all those other guys are Hall of Famers. He's in that group. Yeah. See, to me, he just stood out to me because I remember just how dominant yeah. he was. But once you yeah. looked up the numbers and you're putting oh, yeah. in Jeter kind of categories and those, yeah, well, those yeah. are all Hall of Famers that he's in that category with. Yeah. That's pretty special stuff. So mine, I voted for all 10. Nice. I used 10, 10 things. Bonds, check marks. Clemens, Ortiz, which... Austin had. Yeah. I have Andy Pettit. Pettit. Always been a debatable one. Yeah. Manny Ramirez, A-Rod, Kurt Schilling, Gary Sheffield, Sammy Sosa, and Billy Wagner. Hmm. So I went all or nothing because they all deserve to be in on numbers alone. And I just don't think that if you... You can't put Clemens or Bonds in and say the others aren't worthy. Yeah. So I decided I'm going for all or nothing, which I struggled with. The two I struggled with were Manny and A-Rod because they had lengthy suspensions and actually got caught versus, well, Sosa got caught with the cork bat but never actually with steroids. So that's what I wrestled with, but at the end of the day, I put them in. Pettit and Billy Wagner are the ones that nobody else votes for, but Billy Wagner is interesting. I pulled, like, a bunch of stats and looked at it. So there's only three closers in the Hall of Fame, Lee Smith, Mariano, and Trevor Hoffman. So if you look at Trevor Hoffman, you look at, look at Billy Wagner. Hoffman's war was 28. Billy Wagner's was 27.7. Billy Wagner had a lower whip, a lower ERA, a better ERA plus, more strikeouts, and less innings pitched. He did have less saves, but he played, I think he pitched 1,000 innings less than Hoffman. So Hoffman had more time, but Wagner's stats are better besides actual saves. You, you know, uh, I read something on... Actually, let me. I think I I wanted to save it because I thought it was pretty interesting on the deep dive of uh, Wagner because I had him really close on my list too. Again, not a name that I like. I'm like, whoa, yeah, he's a definite Hall of Famer. But there's interesting comps, for, uh, interesting debate on yeah. Wagner. Okay, and I read two different ones. Uh, one of them is uh, what is it? this is from Jason Stark. What does Hall of Famer reliever look like if it's not Mariano Rivera? He better look pretty dominant. Well, check out Billy Wagner. Uh, opponent average 187, lowest since 1900. Whip under one, best in live ball era. ERA 231, best by left-handed pitcher in live ball era. K per nine innings 11.92, best in history. Yeah. So to your point, now there was somebody else. I think it was uh, maybe out of the Post or the Times or something like that that I read that they said he did he his biggest failures though were in the postseason. Like he didn't do anything in the postseason. He gave up some big time run, you know, hits and runs and yeah. blown saves. And so. That's an interesting counterbalance, right? I was real close to doing getting Billy Wagner in there, um, and I just chose not to this go-around. The other thing I like about Billy Wagner is I, I pulled, like, so other Hall of Famers, Barry Bonds was 3 for 14, Sosa was 3 oh, for 14, good. Griffey was 1 for 8, 
Pudge was one for six with four Ks, and then Miguel Cabrera was two for thirteen with five strikeouts. That's a great. That's a that's a good way to do it, right? Against other Hall of Famers. I mean, again, you can't do the only stat there. Plus, by the way, left-handed reliever alone is different, right? It captures yeah. you. Left-handed closer, not reliever, sorry, closer is is already different. Um, I mean, Chapman now. <laughs> that's, that's why I tried to but. pull a lot of them against righties because, like, you always would pinch hit for the lefty to face a righty. You can't do that now. So you would think that these right-handed hitters would be able to hit off them, but Pudge and Miggy yeah. and Sosa have that's not had call. That. You can't do that rule. I wonder how that would have impacted some of these closers back in the day. Yeah. It's a good point. And, all right. and Pettit for me is just all the World Series. The numbers are very, very similar to Jack Morris, who eventually got in, and the ERA is better, the war is better, and I think he has two more wins. Obviously, the PEDs are a concern because he admitted that he took something, but five World Series, he was a huge part of all of them. I know it. I know it. I wrestled with Pettit, too. I, I think I'd be fine with Pettit getting in. I didn't put him in for me, um, and I'd have no problem with the PED stuff. I actually think I'd give him a little bit of credit for at least admitting it and owning up to it. Yeah. <laughs> I did, you know? Did, uh-huh. did Mike Mussina make the Hall of Fame? He, he did, did, right? I mean, he did I, get in? Yeah. I, I don't yeah. know what the numbers look like with him. but They're incredible. Uh, so it's not even close to Andy Pettit? No, because like, no. here's the problem with okay. Pettit. If you go to the argument of, was Pettit ever, like, the best in, in baseball? And he wasn't, like, at any time. I yeah. mean, he was, like, a third guy. He was never, was he ever the ace of the staff? I mean, you should know that. No, he always pitched with, like, Clemens or Mucina or right? El Duque when El Duque was really good. Yeah, Mucina, though, was, like, he was awesome he for, was for some years. Like, yeah. unbelievable, like, unhittable, almost like Pedro kind of good. For, okay. for some years. Not not for those career, but, um, yeah, Pettit's a little iffy on me. Again, I'm okay if he gets in. Uh, it, the crazy thing about Pettit is Pettit's a really good dude. I covered the Yankees at that stretch, at least my experiences with him. I think he's a really good dude. And I kind of like that about him, even though he's a Yankee. Um, so it always sticks out. It's just that weird thing in my mind that he admitted to the PEDs and he used, like, I wouldn't have thought he would have used them. Left-handed, kind of crafty pitcher, not really even like a power guy. And he was, that showed you everybody was doing it, right, um, to me. Is this mine? This will be yours, yeah. Okay. Uh, oh, I was going to think I put Pettit on there. Uh, Bonds, Clemens. I, got, I like this different one. I'll get to this guy in a second. Uh, David Ortiz, I'm with you on Ramirez. By the way, Alex Rodriguez, Manny Ramirez to me, is maybe the best hitter I've ever seen. He reminds me of Cabrera, Miguel Cabrera. I think those guys were clutch. They ro- drove in runs. They could just flat out hit. Um, and I think his numbers are unbelievable. I don't penalize him for the PED error. I put him in the wing. Alex Rodriguez changed the game to your point. There's nobody, no, they don't make people, like I say this a lot about the basketball guys, right? They don't make people like LeBron James. They didn't make guys like Alex Rodriguez. I mean, he's not the most likable guy. I get it. But he was unbelievable and changed the game and really changed the way shortstops are viewed and the size of players even on the infield from third base to shortstop. Uh, Scott Rowland, I just did work on him, and it showed me that, yes, he is. Uh, Gary Sheffield, same thing, 500 homer club. All right, so now we get to the nitty-gritty. Todd Helton, uh, I, I will say this, Jason Stark helped my case on Todd Helton, but he gave me some numbers on Todd Helton that I was like, how do you not put him in? He's in the conversation with these kind of guys when it comes to um, 5,000 plate appearances and a, and a career with a slash of 316, 414, and 539. I'm throwing a lot of numbers out. But Ty Cobb, Roger Hornsby, Ted Williams, Babe Ruth, Lou Gehrig, Stan Musial, Jimmy Fox. He's in that category. 
I'm like, whoa. And there's another couple of statistics. He played a long time. The thing that knocks him is because of Coors Field. But he was terrific. Mm-hmm. I thought he was a great hitter. Super underrated player, by the way, at the time. Wasn't like, didn't feel like a superstar in Colorado, but he was tremendous. Uh, longevity helps. Longevity really helps Gary Sheffield, too. I think I saw, I counted it up like 12 years. I think he had 25 or more home runs. Yeah. Um, and, of course, ends up with over 500. You know, he's a career 292 guy, Gary Sheffield, too. Yeah. Um, very, very good player. Uh, I did the Scott Rowan thing. Okay, so here's why not. Pettit, I, again, I was wishy-washy on. Sammy Sosa. Brent, why did you put all the other guys in and not Sosa? He's the one. See, what I argue a lot with Bonds and Clemens and Ramirez and Rodriguez is those guys are Hall of Famers with or without steroids. They're so talented. They're such good players. I don't think you can make that argument for Sammy Sosa. Sammy Sosa, Sosa pre-steroid, nobody had ever heard of him. Mm. That was the allure of the whole McGuire-Sosa thing. They're like, who is this guy? Mm. Nobody had ever heard of him. And then after, just whatever. Like, he was, he had a five-year stretch, and you're like, he only did it for five years, so longevity's not there. And on top of that, like, you know, it was almost like the Brady-Anderson effect. Like, Brady-Anderson hit the 50 home runs because he took them. Like, everybody knows it. Sosa... I think he got that good for that period of time because of it. Solely because of it. 63, 60, 66, 63, 50, 64, 49. Yeah, and so I'm a little contradictory. I get it, but I just don't have enough there on Sosa with 600 home runs and all that stuff. And I do think he helped save baseball, by the way, and I think that probably should factor in. His yep. personality helped save baseball. Um, but it was such a small sample and so buoyed by the steroids and so obvious that it was if you look at the landscape of his career i just don't want to sign up for it i'll give you the one that surprised you surprised i don't have kurt schilling on the list yeah kurt schilling when i do my name in my ear test i don't think hall of fame hmm. uh i think really 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 good but i don't think hall of fame and by the way i don't care about all the political stuff and all the bs off the field i don't care i don't factor any of it in for any of these guys they could all be jerks yeah like it doesn't matter but I think when you think Kurt Schilling, I think he's making the haul because of what he did postseason. And I think you should factor that in, but I don't think you solely factor it in. He never won a Cy Young. He never won a Cy Young. And he won 216 games. Yeah. Like, I don't know if it's right on the edge for me on Kurt Schilling. Again, I'm okay with him or Pettit getting in. I just, super clutch. Listen, I should love him for the Red Sox stuff. I just don't go there. I, I, I think David Ortiz, look at his career. It's not just the postseason, what he did for the Red Sox. He did it for like 15 years. It was unbelievable what he did. And so I just separate the two there, and that's why I don't have Schilling. I hope I'm not being too uh, hypocritical with Schilling, Pettit, and even Sosa. I try not to be, but uh, those are the reasons. In fact, I really came close to picking Wagner instead uh, over all those guys because of some of the metrics that I saw, and uh, maybe he'll get in someday. Is there, is there like a media wing we can put Tim Kirchin in this year? Would... <laughs> Kirchin might already be in. He's already in. Is he, he's, he's already in. Well, let's get him in again. <laughs> hey, should put Rolling your, Stones are in there like ten times. Rock impersonation in. Maybe we should do that. Kirchin. Yeah, yeah. It's been a while, Brad. <laughs> hey, by the way, throat. tomorrow on the show, you announce the Hall of Fame members oh, with in some Kirchin voice. <laughs> I'll tell you what, Brad. What's going to the results? We know them tonight. At 6 p.m. So the question is who's actually getting in? Will it be two years in a row nobody gets in? I guess. Nah, I think somebody gets in. I just don't know who. I think Ortiz gets in. Right off the rip? I think Roland gets in. I think Roland gets in. 
All right. I think you'll see at least two guys get in. I think I think when it's it fascinating goes, all the way around. When it comes to the live ball era, Scott Rowland has one of the highest wars of all time. You're talking about some of the greats, and they say, Tim, who are you talking about? I'm talking about Derek Jeter, okay? I'm talking about Alex Rodriguez, and then I'm talking about Scott Rowland. They, they call him Mr. War. Low rider. Look it up. Brent this is Martin, Tim no. Kirchin. Tim Kirchin. Casey Kurtz coming back from football at five when we come back. With the McDonald's app, you can get your favorite thing delivered to your door. So if you were looking for a reason to skip washing those dishes you left in the sink, consider this a sign. Right now, get $0 delivery fee with any purchase of $15 or more, only in the app. At participating McDonald's, minimum purchase excludes tax and service fees. Delivery prices may be higher than in restaurants. Other fees may apply. Not valid with any other offer, discount, or coupon.